Worship our King. Cause you've been walking the same old road for miles and miles. Cause you've been hearing the same old voice at the same old lines. If you're trying to feel the same old voice inside, there's a better life. There's a better life. Cause you got pain. If you feel lost, he's a way maker. If you need freedom, a savior, he's a prison shaking savior. If you got chains, he's a chain breaker. We've all searched for the light of day in the dead of night. Found ourselves worn out from the same old fire. But we've all run things we know just ain't right. And there's a better life. There's a better life. We got pain. He's a pain
Let my soul join the 
would you come and pass out our communion? And we're going to take communion this morning.
for the bread, please. Father, you have led us to the cross. And we honor that this morning. We honor the cross that Jesus died upon. But ultimately, we can do that because he is risen again. Mm. But we hold this wafer in our hand as a representation of the broken body of your son. Because without that broken body, we would spend eternity separated from you. So we honor you this morning, God. We honor you with our lives. We take this in remembrance as you have commanded us to. God, may we remember this moment, this week when we go to speak, when we go to act. Father, that our lives are a sacrifice because of the ultimate sacrifice of Christ. In Jesus' name. Take the breath. And Norma, would you pray over the cup? Take the cup. Father, we thank you, Lord Jesus, for this morning. We thank you, God, for life. Another opportunity, another day, God, to, to hear your word, Father, to be reminded of your great love, God, and your love that endures forever. We thank you, Father, for the reminder of the call of a disciple of Christ, one who would deny themselves to pick up their cross and to follow you. Thank you, Father, that as we enter into this season, Father, to reflect upon the birth of Christ. Lord, I pray, God, that we would not be so easily distracted, but, God, that we would take this time daily, Lord, to, to really ponder, Lord, Father, your birth. That, God, you so loved the world that you gave your one and only Son, that whoever would believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That the Word became flesh. Jesus, you came, <laughs> For us, the purpose was the cross. Beyond the manger, the cross was your purpose. And yet though, in our day and age, it's a season. But as Christians, it should be everyday life. Every day we should ponder. Every day we should be reminded, Father, 
the gift of your Son for us, that we might truly be reconciled back to the Father through Christ Jesus. So I thank you, God. I thank you, Father, that Holy Spirit, that you are working in us what you've begun. Now, Father, you know who belongs to you, that you are intimately acquainted with each of us. And so I pray, God, that we would be encouraged if we're truly in Christ, if we truly are those who are called out, set apart, marked and sealed for the day of redemption, chosen to be a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people, Father, who are called to go forth into this darkened world and to bear the light of Christ. And, oh God, may we be encouraged this day and the days to come to keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. For those, God, who are not in Christ, oh God, how I pray, Lord Jesus, God, that they would no longer continue to harden their hearts, but that the light of truth of Christ would penetrate the darkened heart, the sinner's soul, and may life come forth anew and afresh, born again of the Spirit, that they may call upon the name of Jesus and be saved. So, Father, we thank you for this hope, this hope that can only be found in Christ and in Christ alone. And it's in Jesus' name. Amen. So, application, sustained effort, hard work, wrapping up this year, just a few more weeks. And so we've been hearing this term, application, application. So it's from the root word apply. It's to give one's full attention to a task to work hard. Again, we're not working for our salvation because salvation comes freely from Christ if you believe upon Christ and what Christ accomplished on the cross. The Bible says that you have a belief and a confession that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that He rose from the dead, that you are then born again of the Spirit. And you can't come to have that belief and confession until you first see your need for Him because Jesus has come into the world to redeem the fallen creation. Our very nature, apart from Christ, as we've heard multiple times over and over and over and over, is in complete rebellion towards God. We are darkened. We hate Him. We may be religious. We may like religious and religious works. But we do not love Him. But Christ comes into the darkened world to redeem mankind, to save mankind. And it's from this rebirth that those who believe upon Christ and who are born again, now through obedience as the Holy Spirit, because now they're born of the Spirit, has awakened them, has quickened them, they've received the Holy Spirit to fulfill what God has purposed for them all along, even before they placed them and their mother's womb. So as we've heard throughout the year, works are a fruit of your salvation. 
And so we are to work hard. We are to be diligent. We are to give our full attention to the task. And what is the task, you all? It's to do the Father's will. It's to share the gospel. That's the task. To share the gospel. If you've truly been born again, you have a desire to share the gospel. It's not about anything else. It's not about your prayer life. It's not about your ministry work. It's not about this. It's not about that. It's not about anything else. But your Christian life, your born again life, is to do the will of the Father. It's to share the gospel of Jesus. And as we've read in Scripture, Jesus tells us exactly what the world is going to be like before he returns. And these are only birth pains. It's going to get worse. But he tells us, but my gospel will continue to be preached. See, what happens in the church is we lose sight of what we've been given and whom we've been purchased by and the call that he has called us to, to go forth now, preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. And I've been encouraging us, preach it to yourself every day. Starts here. So that as you go and you preach it out there, your lifestyle is matching what you're speaking. There's a lot of people that can do religious work. There's a lot of people that can say eloquent prayers. There's a lot of people that can write beautiful devotions. There's a lot of people who can inspire, but their lives are not reflecting the gospel. And they never once speak the gospel. They can talk about Jesus. They can talk about God. They can talk even about the works of the Holy Spirit, but they will never preach the gospel. And that's demonic. That is demonic. That is doctrines of demons. Hell will talk about Jesus. Hell will talk about the Holy Spirit. And hell will even talk about the Father. But hell will never give the hope of the gospel. Of Christ. We talk about deception. We've been talking about it a lot. And so many times when we think, oh, it's deception, the, the spirit of deception is rising up. And sometimes we can think, oh, it's all the, 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 the things that really like are, that stand before us that are so against God. And everything's rising up to a new level, which is true. But the greatest deception that has always been around is the enemy's tactic of making the created doubt the creator. It's been going on since the beginning. I mean, for goodness sakes, look at the men, and it's nothing new. We've studied it. We've heard it. You've seen it. <laughs> Who's leading God's church when Christ came to the earth. They're religious people. And so much time in prayer. 
So much time in writing. So much time. You know? And yet Jesus tells them, your father is the devil. The greatest deception is to deceive yourself and others into thinking they're in when they're totally not. And that they would hear at the end, I don't know you. Depart from me. But we cast out demons in your name. We moved in power in your name. And Jesus says, I don't know you. You see, to give one's full attention to a task, the task at hand is to share the gospel. So how are you doing? This is the, this is the reality that, that we as the body of Christ need to be faced with daily. How are we doing? How are you doing individually? And is the gospel you preach the gospel? Or is it just another form of a demonic doctrine that's keeping people enslaved to sin. Because the last time I opened up my Bible, Jesus has come to set the captives free. Not peddling a message that keeps them in bondage or even to religion. I mean, we celebrate people. Oh, well, they're reading their Bibles. Oh, well, they go to church. Oh, well, they rub the little trinkets. Oh, well, they do this and do that. Oh, God's... If there's nothing of Christ coming forth from their life, transforming them, something's wrong. Something is seriously wrong. When we still allow that, which Christ came to defeat, and the judgment of God is still coming because of that which is sin, we make light of it. We keep embracing it. We keep talking about it. We keep acting about it. We just keep doing. And so many of us flirt with our past instead of embracing the here and now and the future. The gospel, you know, it's not a weak message. It's not. And so as we enter into this Christmas season, oh, how I've been praying for us to be awakened. Are you sharing the gospel? And if you're not, something is wrong with your Christianity. I'm not being mean, but that's just the reality. Something is seriously wrong. And I'm not talking about just, you know, you know, petty, petty, patty cake. I'm talking about the gospel. You're a sinner. You're in need of a Savior. Do you know why Jesus came? Do you understand the condition that mankind is in? And yet, are we just painting him to be this false God that he's not? Where it's all inclusive. And it's not. He separates. There's a division. He says, what? You came out here to 
Like, do we know him? Do we truly understand him? Do you understand the wrath of God that's being stored up? And it's coming because of sin. But the power of sin has been defeated. Death is sin. The power of it has been defeated through Christ. And this is the good news. This is the good news. The gospel is good news. But so many times when you hear a preacher, you hear someone encouraging you to preach the gospel, it becomes like this heavy burden. Oh, what, what are people going to say? I don't want to feel... And we make all these weird excuses as to why we don't. And then what we do is we end up sounding like a new ager, peddling some false god out there and just slapping Jesus' name on it. Why don't you... Truly share the gospel. Well, I've been talking to so and so for so long. I've been doing it. But have you shared the gospel? <laughs> well, they're seeking. Well, there, there's many paths out there. Have you put them on the right one and not waver? But ultimately, have they seen the gospel in you? How it's impacted you. You're not in Christ one hour and then out the next. But you're living this life now, this newness of life that's solely and wholly dependent upon Christ as you're applying the truth of Christ as the Holy Spirit is working within you against the very nature that you are to consider dead. Instead of laughing at. Instead of making it trivial and say, well, that's not really nothing. Do we really know what we're up against? As the days are getting darker and darker and darker and darker, the gospel will still go forth. The gospel of Jesus. This is the task. Giving your full attention to it. Application. Work hard. Work hard. I mean, this is the reality. When's the last time have you shared the gospel? And again, I'm not talking, I promise you, I'm not talking about this little weirdness that we do with Jesus. I'm talking about the gospel. Loving people enough Loving people enough because he loves them. He loves us. That's the beauty of it. It's because of his love for us that he draws us to repentance. He reveals this nature. He says, but I've made a way through my son whom I freely gave for you. It's the birth, the life, the death, the resurrection of Christ. This, and it's not this, it's not this weird thing. This weird, I don't know what, what we do with it. But it's the reality of Christ. I spent the time on the beach last week just kind of walking and just kind of praying and just spending time. I was like, it's all Christ. 
I mean, this is it's all it's what it comes down to. It's all Christ. It's all Jesus. <laughs> I'm just going, God, what? We can be so easily distracted because there's so much going on, warring against your soul. Against the souls of those around you. And then how are you contending for the faith? For yourself, for those around you. If you're truly a Christian, if you're just holding a form, ah, whatever, you'll be dealt with. I can't do anything about it. He'll deal with you. But if you're truly a Christian, you're to be contending for the faith. Now, wishy-washy, up and down, left and right, no, standing, and standing there for then, and enduring, and going through seasons. You will have trouble, but be a good cheer. Why? Because of Jesus. See, it's all Jesus. It's all Jesus. It's all Jesus. No matter what you're going through, if you just look at Jesus, you can make yourself happy. Oh, and then you won't cling so much to this world. You won't clean so much to your insecurities and your emotions and your weirdness and all this junk that has defined us. Because it's dead. Because we've been made alive in Christ. And now it's the Holy Spirit working in us. He's our teacher. He's our guide. He's our comforter. And you understand sin, the nature of sin. You understand and you go, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. What am I doing, thinking, talking, touching? Wait, no, 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 ah, no. It's not who I am anymore. Well, no one else is doing that around me. Then why don't you preach the gospel to them? Well, I don't want to. Well, then guess what? And you're marking yourself a Christian? This is the reality. Oh, I just have to tolerate them. No, you're to be giving your full attention to the task at hand. Preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. Again, there is so much as the days are growing more evil, the warfare is intensifying. The battle is intensifying and you're afraid to say Jesus the root true real Jesus <laughs> like no that's sin that's rebellion to a holy God no I cannot continue to bow down and serve these false gods with you no I'm sorry <laughs> If it's just me standing alone, so be it. But I cannot continue to partake of it. One's full attention. Work hard. Well, it's uncomfortable. Well, go read about the early church. Go read about our brothers and sisters overseas. 
losing everything. I mean, they're losing everything. I mean, so application. Applying the Bible is the duty of all Christians. If we don't apply it, the Bible becomes nothing more to us than a normal book and a practical collection of old manuscripts. That's why Paul says, whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. When we apply the Bible, God himself will be with us. The degree to which we study, memorize, and meditate on God's word is the degree to which we understand how it applies to our lives. But understanding the word and how it applies is not enough. We must actually apply it. Like each of you and myself, we were faced with things this week, yesterday, this morning. But what truth did you apply to get up and to put your eyes on Jesus, to live for Jesus. Because once you're dead and they're dead, that's it. I mean, you can believe all you want that they're in heaven. You can believe that you're going to run and greet them and hug and kiss and all. <laughs> and if that's what sustains you, well, then whatever. And that's the reality that some people that have, that everyone's going to heaven. And I've said that before here. The reason why we're not sharing the gospel, because somehow you've been deceived into thinking that everyone's going to heaven. Well, they said a prayer 30 years ago. But they've been living 30 years after that prayer, mocking Jesus. Really? They're saved? We make him so common and we strip him down so this new generation looks and goes, there's nothing, there's no power there. There's nothing there. What's different? But we just like to go poof, 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 poof. Everyone's a Christian. But oh God, help us. Help us. To apply truth, to live truth, to contend, to fight, not others, but for the faith. We wrestle not with flesh and blood, but with rulers and principalities and air in the darkness. We better wake up to the realities of what and the what is happening on the earth, the times in which we're living, unless you're going to get swallowed up with it. Again, the doctrines of demons rising up. And it's not going to be these, these, you know, yeah, the new age and all that brouhaha that's been out there. Oh, it's rising. No, no, that's going to continue. But what's happening among the church? These false teachers, these wolves in sheep clothing, these anointed ministers, these large evangelistic outreaches, crusades, platforms, mega churches, all of it rising up.
this itching the ears of the damned. And you think you're just going to get up and cry about your little life. My poor life. Trust me, I could sit and cry with you. But I got to get up every day and say it's the gospel. <laughs> Nothing else saved me. Nothing else changed me. Nothing else, no one else, the gospel. The power of Christ. Oh, I can look at my little life and see how pathetic it is. I can look at it and conjure up all the images. And it can send me in a tailspin. But I say, oh no. Because my life is not in this temporalness. Not this temporalness, not the people of the temporal, temporal world. Be whatever. Do whatever. Oh, I gotta be about my father's business. I gotta, I gotta seek him above all. I gotta allow him to, to guide me and to lead me and stop cowering down to everyone and to everything else. That comes to distract. The calling you all in your life. And before you start getting carried about on your gifts, I'm talking about the calling, which is to preach the gospel. Again, I don't care how, many, how long you pray, what you write, what you do, how you do, how you live, whatever. Demons can do that. I'm not impressed with it any longer. Are you sharing the gospel? Are you sharing the gospel? Are you sharing the gospel? Are you applying the truth in your life? Application implies action, and obedient action is the final step in causing God's word to come to life in our lives. The application of scripture enforces and further enlightens our study, and it also serves to sharpen our discernment, helping us better distinguish between good and evil. We should know. We should know. And yet we... <laughs> no, no. Like good and evil. <laughs> it's an all-out war. You weren't called into, you know, Disney World. You weren't called into a world, into a kingdom that is like, you know, fluff. You know, like you were called into battle. But you understand Jesus knew why he came. He knew his creation hated him. He knew that he would be rejected, beaten, spat upon, body ripped apart, nailed to the cross. He knew. And yet he came. And when your eyes have been opened and your ears hear what the Spirit is saying, and you understand what you've been given, when you understand your identity now in Christ, like I love the song and what your trees wrapped around and carry, the soul felt its worth. You're alive and cry. 
nothing compares. Nothing and no one compares. Like your soul. And it's an all out, day by day, moment by moment war. Because the enemy's not ceasing. He's just ramping up. The world, it's not lightening up. Oh no, it's coming harder and faster. But remember what the word of God says about your identity. If you're truly a Christian, your interest in the world is no more. And the world's interest in you is no more. It shouldn't be provoke you to gaze upon it. To sit there. To be part of. Because it distracts you from what you ought to be doing. Sharing the gospel. Sharing the gospel. And then this flesh wants nothing more than to be in control. It wants nothing more than for you to turn back to it. But you must remember, if you're truly a Christian, greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. Again, it's not striving to live a perfected life because you're not perfected till you're with him, but it's a life of maturing. It's growing. It's contending. It's warring against sin because you hate it. Like, do you understand how destructive sin is? Do you understand how it's dest- how it's been destroying lives ever since they bit into it? And your eyes have been opened, supposedly. Your soul feels its worth. You're fresh, you're new, you're alive. You're, you're reconciled back to your creator. You've been adopted in, you've been engrafted in. Jesus is your savior. Jesus has redeemed you. Jesus took upon the wrath that you deserved and laid upon you his righteousness. And yet you say nothing. You don't even go to that depth of sharing the gospel because you and yourself don't even know the gospel because the gospel has not brought you to your knees. Oh no, but I've surrendered my life. Who? To? Who have you surrendered to? If you're not sharing the gospel, you're just surrendered to one of these pathetic little gods that we are instructed not even to worship. There's going to be many false messiahs, many false Christs. The level and the teaching, teachings that are rising up under the guise of Christianity and Jesus. But oh, aren't we all just going to heaven? Like it's war. It's war. And it's not a physical war. Your call, your purpose now, Jesus. No one else, nothing more. Jesus. It's all Jesus. It's his kingdom. First seek his kingdom. 
You've been born again. You've been engrafted into a new kingdom. This world is not your home. You're a foreigner. You're passing through and yet you're taking up camp. Oh no. Church, we got to wake up. We got to wake up. It's amazing. The tactics of the enemy. But he's not greater than our God. He's already been defeated. He knows that, but yet he still has the right to rule and reign on this earth. That he knows at some day, at some hour, at some point, it's going to be done with. But the purpose in which he was purposed for and the plan of God will be fulfilled. And there will become an antichrist that will rise up to the scene on this earth. But that doesn't mean Jesus has been defeated. No, no. Evil can only move in the boundaries that it's allowed to. For God's purpose and for God's plan. And when your eyes are open to that truth and that reality, you go, what kind of nonsense have I been following then? So you'd be as innocent as a dove and wise as a serpent. I don't know what you're doing with your Christian life. I can only pray and hope. Only God knows your heart. I can only see and hear as you're speaking, as you're talking. But only God knows your heart. Like you're going to have to stand before him. God Almighty. I was a good person. I mean, I did godly things. I, you know, but I don't know you. I've been thinking about, you know, those that kind of get over the fence. <laughs> those sheep. They didn't come through the door. They will be exposed. No, no, no. No, no, all these years you thought you belonged? I don't know you. I don't know you. You don't even know my voice. You haven't listened once to me. My sheep know my voice. And you haven't once responded. But yet you like to hang out among the sheep and reap the benefits for eternity. That doesn't make him a bad God. <laughs> Makes him a just God. And we've spent this year like getting deeper and deeper in our studies and especially on Friday nights and I've been trying to pour into y'all and give you these, these tools and I don't know what you're done with them. <laughs> I can only hope and pray that you've grown some. Part of me goes, oh, God, <laughs> are we truly hungering and thirsting for more? Or is everything still so clouded? Like, it's different if someone was brand new. It's been a week, 
No, like I said, keep having that. They still have the birth juice on them. But the majority of us sitting here are even part of this fellowship may not even be here today. Like, you're not new to Christianity. And so then you have to ask yourself, am I, am I really hungering and thirsting for Christ? Living for Christ? Honoring Christ? Loving Christ? Sharing Christ? The gospel, not peddling this weirdness, but the gospel. I'm like, man, are you applying truth? It's to give your full attention. Not when, well, my schedule lightens up. We don't know what I'm going through. I've got, I've got all this. I've got, I've got all this. He's last. He's when you can fit him in. He's when it's when you need something now. I used to be your everything. Like everything. He's your all in all. Like outside of him, there's nothing else. And yet you're spending all of your energy dealing with all these distractions. And then you wonder why you're not strengthened, why you're not encouraged, why you're not, why you're not overcoming. It's because you're distracted. Christ is to be the center. Because we're to be the people of God doing the will of God for the glory of God. Listen, deception leads to doubt. I want you to hear that again. Deception leads to doubt. And doubt leads to the hardening of the heart. That's why application is vital. Deception leads to doubt. And once you start doubting God, did God really say this? Can God really do this for my family? Can God... Is God really, is this really God's character? Oh, there was a good thing I saw last night. I said, Lord Jesus. This young man was praying. It said, this is for warfare. So he comes and he sits down and he begins to pray. And all of a sudden, the, the camera turns. The image, the young man who was praying is now sitting over here, but now he's the devil. And the devil saying to him, what, what, you're praying now? Who do you think he is? You think he's hearing you now? You think he cares about you now? Do you realize how blah, 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 and he starts just, just the enemy just spewing. But the whole time the camera would switch back and the man just continues to pray. Just humbling himself before God. Just confessing and repenting and just... And then there comes a scene where he finally looks up and the camera goes and Satan's gone. And I said, that is warfare. Because that's what the Bible says. First submit yourself to God, then resist the enemy and he has to flee. (laughs) But if you're not humbling yourself before him, before God... Oh, the enemy's going to come with everything he has. 
the world is going to come with everything it has. Your flesh is going to come with everything it has to try to sow the seeds of doubt. And once you allow that seed of doubt to take root, your heart is hardened. Your heart is hardened. Oh, child of God, that you would repent and that you would get up, that you would be healed and restored, that you would run back to the Father. Because <laughs> His love endures forever. If you're truly repentant, if you truly understand what repentant is, repentance is, again, it's just like, oops, I'm sorry. Oops, look, I did wrong. My life's rough. Okay, now maybe I'll, okay, Jesus, I'll give you another try. As if it's Jesus' issue. <laughs> that it was him. It was something about him that caused you to run amok. No, no, it's you. Like you see and you go, oh, I'm disgusted with myself. And the only way that you can truly see is because the Holy Spirit, again, is his loving kindness that draws you to repentance. You see it and you go, oh, God, oh, what am I doing here? And then you don't have to play that weird shame game, blame game we do where I've been telling you for years, you turn it around, you just beat yourself up. Oh, I can't be like all the other Christians. And we make it all about, if we don't start learning the tactics of warfare. God help us. No, a true, genuine repentance. Godly sorrow. Oh. I'm to beat myself up. And of myself, I know what I would do, and so does God. But how gracious He is to remind us of our new identity. Or how gracious He is to remind us if we're not in Christ, how He longs for us to be in Christ. Because it's His loving kindness that draws us to repentance. And so we repent and we get up and we move forward. And the heart is no longer hardening. It's towards God. It's plowable. It's, 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 it's the Holy Spirit now has access to continue. So be mindful of doubt. And sometimes... It's subtle. And you say, well, how, how can I be, you know, aware of it? Mind your thoughts, guard your heart, and listen to your words. Mm. Listen to your words. Because what comes from your mouth is what's been sown into your heart. Well, blah, 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 and we just vomit. And then we just want to come, oh, praise God, hallelujah. No, what? Do you, what? How is that comfortable? Like, no, we're to be a people that are set apart. The people of God. Growing and learning, understanding the urgency of our day and the hour in which we're in. It doesn't matter what it's going to cost us. Your life for the gospel. 
your life for the gospel. And if that is not your heart's passion, you're not a Christian. Oh, come to church, sit among the church, enjoy church, whatever. (laughs) But you don't know Christ. You don't know Christ. He took 12 men. One was the devil. (laughs) And from 12, once the one Judas was done away with and was replaced, when the Holy Spirit birthed the church, the church then goes forth in power throughout the generations, advancing the kingdom. And it's resisted. It's not an easy advancement. It's a constant pushback. Boom. Boom. And you think we're just going to wake up, flop out of bed and be like, I'm a Christian. Play my little Bible. Read my little Bible. Write my little devotion. Do my little thing. And we think somehow that is Christianity. Oh no. That's just a form of religion. All of that is needed, and that's discipline you need in your life, but if your life's not backing up all what you're doing, something's wrong. You might as well carry just a rabbit foot in your pocket and rub it. Have your little charms. Chank, 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 chanks, you know, whatever. Because that's basically all you've done. You've traded one form of false religion to another. But the reality is, if you're born again... He's going to train you for warfare. But it's his way. It's not the world's way. It's his way. You can stand and stand there for that. The battle belongs to him. I want you to go to James chapter 4, 1 through 10. Scriptures on application and hope to encourage you to apply the word of God. James chapter 4, verse 1 through 10. What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? He's writing to the church. This is to Christians. Don't they come from evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even, listen to this, I love this. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. You adulterers. Oh, come on, James. It's kind of harsh, isn't it, to the church? These are God's people, James. And that's why he knows. And that's why he can say to them, you adulterers. Don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Church, 
careful how long you're lingering with the world. And I, I know my friends, family, people, you know, whatever. They make these little snide jokes and comments. About things of the world. I said, Lord Jesus. And none of it's cute. And none of it's cute. Because it's devouring people. It's devouring people. They're, they're, people are an enemy of God. And he's saying to the church here, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? And so then what the church has done over the years, because we're just so crazy sometimes, because they make it all about us. And so then we pull ourselves, like we have to then extract ourselves out of the world, and then we'll be okay. That's not what he's saying here. Because if that's what God wanted, he would have taken us when we bowed our knee and received Jesus. No, he's sending us in. To be an ambassador for his kingdom. And so we're not going to get entangled with the civilians. Some of y'all need to get up from the civilians that you're hanging out with and get amongst warriors. In the church. No. We're in the world, but we're not of it. So people can make their side jokes and say whatever. As if I'm missing out on something. It's not missing out on anything. You're not missing out on anything that's out there. The whole reason why you came to Christ is you realize none of that did anything for you. It didn't fulfill anything within you. It tried. You tried to fit in every which way, take everything in, give yourself to everything and anyone. But only Christ He says, do you think scripture has... Oh my goodness. Lord, I'm just going to preach on this. I mean, I don't know if you sit with scripture, you all. Or if you just read through it. But do you ponder? Do you meditate upon it? Do you see that it's speaking to you? To the church in this hour? Do you think the scriptures have no meaning? Is that why you keep doing what you're doing? Is that why you keep just mouthing on? That's why you just keep... Because basically that's how you're living. You're living a life as if scripture has no meaning. He's correcting the church. And in correcting the church, he's giving them a full expression of what it means to draw close to God, to return to God, to keep God first. Do you think scriptures 
have no meaning. They say that God is passionate, that the spirit of God he has placed within us should be faithful to him. And he gives grace generously, as the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So in hearing all of this, church, how then should we respond? Well, we shouldn't get offended. We shouldn't beat ourselves up. (laughs) We shouldn't say, oh, he's picking on me. James is always picking on me. No, there's a response that a true Christian hearing the voice of God being led by the Holy Spirit responds by. So humble yourself before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. He's talking to the church. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you have done. Can't you just be flippant? Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Feel the weight of what you've given yourself to as you're drawing close to God in repentance. Humble yourself before the Lord. Oh, look at this beautiful promise. And He will lift you up in honor. This is our God, you all. I shared a devotion. I'm not sure if you read it or not, but I just want to remind us James urged his readers in the first century and today to consciously place themselves under God's authority. Knowing we are under God's authority, we can confidently oppose Satan's work in our lives. Having pushed away sin, we can draw even closer to God, enjoying an ever-increasing experience of his presence. Are you enjoying this daily, you all? Even when you're going through Life and the challenges of it. Are you enjoying his presence? Well, you should. We'll adopt a heart attitude that contradicts the world's pattern. Choosing the pure, the serious, and the humble. And in his time and his way, God will show us favor and lift us up. Every one of these how-to's requires action, application on our part. What were the how-tos that we heard? Number one, submit. Two, resist. Three, come. Four, wash. Five, purify. Six, grieve. Seven, change. And finally, eight, humble are all, all of these are all commands. These aren't suggestions James giving to the church. After rebuking them, He's reminding them, this is who you are now. See, this is work, you all. This isn't isn't a game. You have to remind yourself daily. You have to remind others. You have to encourage others. Build each other up in our faith. Because we all endure stuff through life. 
But collectively, as the church, we just don't let sin run amok. No, we address it. We deal with it. Because we recognize that these aren't suggestions. Well, when you feel like it, submit. When things seem a little bit easier in your life, you're not so overwhelmed, and your schedule's not so and you feel, you physically feel better, and your mind is clear, then try these things. And maybe God will lift you up. No, it's in the midst of all of that. <laughs> if we choose to obey them, we have the promise of God's reward. I love this little prayer this guy wrote. Father, your commands are simple, if not easy. Help us to obey. Go to Luke chapter 12. Scriptures on application. I wanted to share with you all today. Luke chapter 12, verse 1 through 12. No, yeah, 1 through 12. Meanwhile, the crowds grew until thousands were milling about and stepping on each other. Jesus turned first to his disciples and warned them. Again, don't rush through scripture, you all. I don't know how you read scripture, I don't know how you listen to scripture, but I'm telling you, you better start pausing. Thousands of people were following Jesus. There were so many that stepping all over each other. Jesus sees it. He wasn't impressed. He didn't puff himself up. Look at my ministry. Look how anointed I am. He could have, for God's sakes. He's the son of God. Beware of the yeast of the Pharisee, their hypocrisy. The time is coming when everything that is covered up will be revealed and all that is in secret will be made known to all. Whatever you have said in the dark will be heard in the light and whatever you have whispered behind closed doors will be shouted from the housetops for all to hear. Dear friends, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot do any more to you after that. But I tell you whom to fear, fear God, who has the power to kill you and then throw you into hell. These are Jesus' words. And you realize the doctrines of demons that are being taught out there where they're erasing hell. Yes, he's the one to fear. Thousands were milling about and stepping on each other just to be around Jesus. Jesus turns to his disciples 
just in case they want to become prideful or become like these Pharisees, puff themselves up as the Pharisees have because the attention that they gain because they're God's chosen. <laughs> and he says, oh, <laughs> be aware of hypocrisy. You act one way in front of others, that you're saying things and doing things that you ought not to be doing or all of it's coming out. Now you think you're getting away with it. You think you look right and people are, oh, look at the anointing. Look at them. Look at their life. Oh, look how they pray. Oh, we need them to speak here. Oh, we, oh. And yet, their character Dear friends, he says. Don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. Oh, they're going to come for you. Remember, he's been he's he's beginning to really share, like preparing them for truly who they are, but ultimately who he is and what he's going to do through them. And not only them, but all who have believed in the message in which they've shared, including us and those who will continue to believe. Don't you dare be afraid of what they can do to you or take from you. Because if you fear them more than you fear God, ha, no, no, fear God. Fear him. Because these humans, oh, they may snuff you out, but that's all they can do is this to the physical body. And that's who you're afraid of? Oh, no. Oh, no. You need to fear God. Because not only can he kill you, he'll throw you into hell. Oh, I like to see God that way. Nope, nope, it's not, not, nope. I don't know what other way you want to see him. These are Jesus' words. Like, you understand the wrath of God that's coming to this earth. And we're playing games with people. Patty cake. <laughs> he will kill you. God? I can see God that way. And he'll throw you into hell. And from there, there's no ending in the torment that you're going to suffer. Well, that's not a loving God. Oh, it's a gracious loving God. See, when you say that, you don't understand God. You don't know his character because he's just. He's a just God. He just doesn't flippantly do it like sinful men and women who just randomly go out and just start killing people. <laughs> no, no, He's a just God. He's given everyone an opportunity. 
And if you refuse him, if you continue, that's your choice. I'll turn you over. Lest you forget, he sent forth the angel of death. If it's his bidding to do, who am I to question? I'm just the, the clay. Who am I to question the potter, what he's doing? Careful how you want to be flippant. I can talk to God ever how I want. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. I know we like that because, you know, it makes us feel like we're at the same level with him. <laughs> I can just say whatever I want, question whatever I want, blah, blah, blah. Who are you, mere mortal, to demand God to answer you? You've got it twisted. You've got it twisted. You've got it twisted. That's doctrines of demons. Who are you, mere mortal, to question God? Doubt, as I said earlier, keep questioning. I would rather you start having confidence in who he is instead of always questioning him. Well, isn't it good for us to question? No, it's good for you to know that you're a sinner. <laughs> and what God's provision was <laughs> to redeem you, to adopt you, to purchase you <laughs> through his son. It'll answer all of your questions about him. All of your questions. Look how gracious he is. Look how kind he is. He's slow to anger full of mercy, tender-hearted, gracious. <laughs> and we want to be flippant as if we want to demand of him mm-hmm. and tell him, oh, I'll take care of this. Now, who? Who are you talking to like that? These are Jesus' words. No, fear God. And then I love this. You see, again, whenever you read scripture, ponder, said, don't close your Bible. Oh, I don't want it. No, I don't like that. that. That makes me uncomfortable. Oh, no, keep going. Because wherever you see God's wrath, you see God's love. Wherever you see God's love, you see God's wrath. You see the wholeness of who he is. What is the price of five sparrows? Two copper coins? Yet God does not forget a single one of them. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered, so don't be afraid. You're more valuable. What? See, don't shut him out because you don't like the parts that you don't like. <laughs> like you are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. I tell you the truth. Everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, the Son of Man, will acknowledge in the presence of God's angels. But anyone who denies me here on earth will be denied by God's angels. Anyone who speaks against the Son of Man can be forgiven. Oh God. But anyone who blasphemes the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. And when you are brought to trial in the synagogues, what, Jesus? What are you saying? Just do some miracles. Look at the thousands of people all around us. Look at your ministry. It's growing. Stop all that foolish talk, Jesus. 
Just focus on ministry. Enlighten the people. Do for the people, Jesus. What are you saying? He didn't say if. He says when you are brought to trial in synagogues and before rulers and authorities, don't worry about how to defend yourself or what to say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what needs to be said. Oh, the dependence that we're to have on the Holy Spirit. We're not to blaspheme the Holy Spirit. We're not to grieve the Holy Spirit. We're not to, you know, pretend we're a part of. And I, I've always told you what Scripture says. It's not because of what I say, but Scripture doesn't tell us to, to, that we can't, you know, sit down and eat with a sinner. He said, no, don't sit down and eat with one who calls himself a Christian and has an anger problem. But aren't we all sinners? <laughs> aren't we all just sinners? Not even born again. Will you sin? Yeah. But that is not your nature any longer. So you can keep lumping yourself with all of them if you want. But the day you realize you're part of the royal priesthood, a royal ambassador, one set apart for his purpose, empowered by his Holy Spirit. I mean, for God's sakes, the word of God tells you don't even have anything to do with anyone who claims Christ and their life is not transformed. Because they're making a mockery of the Holy Spirit. They're denying the power of transforming their lives. And we just want to play church. Oh, isn't that nice? Wasn't that lovely? It's warfare, you all, I keep telling you. Do you hear? These are Jesus' words I just read. This isn't mine. These are Jesus' words. The whole Bible is inspired by the Holy Spirit. I keep telling you, the Bible was not written by man. I know people like to tell you that. Again, doubt. When doubt is sown, you start thinking. You start getting on TikTok. That TikTok teach you how to be a Christian. <laughs> Fool you are. <laughs> oh, no. Man, the created, would never put a book together to expose how wicked they are and the judgment they're going to receive from a holy God. The created would never have put this together. And where actual events are taking place perfectly. No, this is the inspired word of God. And we treat it flippantly. Oh, that we would mature and grow, you all. All right, last scripture for application. First Peter. Oh, get ready for this one. Jesus. Oh, First Peter. Chapter 2, verse 1 through 12. Oh, Father, 
Here, I don't, have my, I don't even have the clock in front of me. Oh, Jesus, I knew I was going to get to it. <laughs> but I got, what the, got to what the Lord wanted me to then. Oh, Jesus. First Peter chapter 2, verse 1 through 12. <laughs> Again, he's not writing to the lost. <laughs> he's writing to the church. So get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit. Hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. He's talking to the church. You, you know, your new identity. You once were a sinner, but now you're born again. You're a child of God. How can I tell sinners to stop doing this? They haven't been born again. That's all they're going to keep doing. What gives Peter the right to tell these church folks to stop it? Because if they're truly Christians, they've been truly born again, God in them, they've been given the power of the resurrected life to live. So stop all of that. That's not who you are any longer. That's why I keep telling you, you want to know what it is to be a Christian? Go read from Acts to Jude. First read the gospel, why you need Jesus in order to be a Christian. But if you've received Christ, you've been born again, how then now shall I live? Well, you have your instruction manual right here. <laughs> like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment. Now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. Oh, are you crying out to be nourished by God? Are you seeking His presence? Listen, this is no joke, you all. And remember, it's not a heavy burden. It may look as it is, it may feel uncomfortable. But remind yourself. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. Don't let doubt set in. I've warned you all at the beginning of this. Once you start doubting, your heart starts hardening. Then you wonder why you're so far from God. As if God moved. And if your heart is hardened, you're far from God. What the scripture tell us in the beginning? Come to God. Draw close to God. And he will draw close to you. Submit yourself. Remember? You, oh God. Pentecost set almost 14 days on these scriptures. I'm telling y'all, if you don't, if you, if you if you just go from this place today and this week and just sit with these scriptures, you all, take the notes and eat them daily. And if you see that's not how I'm living, it don't be just, just repent. 
Have that godly remorse. Ask the Holy Spirit. If you're truly saved, if you're not, then by God, fall on your face. Repent. Receive Christ. Be freed. Be adopted in. Receive your new identity as a child of God. Still encased in all of this, still living behind enemy lines, but yet God is for me, so who can be against me? God, if you called me out, I know you'll keep me upright until you call me home. I can walk upright amongst a wicked and perverse generation. I don't have to keep giving in to everything and anything. I don't have to keep living the way that I'm living. I can get rid of all of this. Remember the Bible tells us, God, Throw off the sin that so easily entangles you. But we're all just sinners. No, you're a sinner before Christ. In Christ, you're a child of God. The power of sin has been broken off of your life. Throw it off. Stop making excuses. Throw it off. And then run the race that is set before you. Endure. Ah, he says, you are coming to Christ who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. <laughs> he was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you, you, if you're sitting here, if you're listening here today or later, if you truly are a Christian, you are living stones that God is building. Come on. And to his spiritual temple. What's more? You are his holy priest. This is who you are. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, by no other means, not Mary, not your saints, not your rocks, not anything else. But only through Jesus Christ. Everything apart from Jesus Christ, all of that other teaching is demonic. Doctrines of demons leading people to hell. (laughs) This is who you're becoming. This is how you should be living. This is what you have to go forth and to share that you've been entrusted with. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that pleases God, that please God. As the scriptures say, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem, chosen for great honor, and anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Yes, you who trust him recognize the honor God has given him. But for those who reject him, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone and He is the stone that makes people stumble, the rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they don't obey God's word. And so they meet the fate that was planned for them. It's not God's fault. It's the created who keeps thinking that they're God. Christ has been, boom, Reject him as much as you want. Keep turning from him as much as you want. 
But all your stumbling and all your falling, not on his hands. It's you. You refuse Christ. And so your fate will be what has been planned. I keep telling you, he's so intimately acquainted with you. He knows if you're with him for all eternity or if you're one that's going to be separated and he throws into hell. <laughs> and we just read that scripture. That's how intimately acquainted he is. He knows your heart. He knows the outcome of all of this. But oh, remember what I said? Remember what I said? You read it and you go, oh, that's so heavy. Don't get that way. Listen, listen. Let it correct you. Let it rebuke you. Let it, let it really slice into you. Because as soon as it cuts deep into the very essence of who you are and it draws out, it brings healing. <gasps> listen to the healing. But you are not like that. For you are a chosen people. You are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, as a result, oh, perk up, listen, as a result, you can show others, what? You can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of the darkness and to his wonderful light once. Once you had no identity as his people or as a people, but now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. Imagine having a conversation with someone saying that. First for yourself. Like, listen, I know this is hard to understand. I know it may seem like I'm attacking you or, you know, I'm putting you down, but really, really, no, no. See, I once had no identity as well. I was searching for anything, everything out here <laughs> just to identify with, just to feel a sense of value and worth. But now, because of Christ, because of me recognizing that I'm a sinner, that I was an enemy towards God, because of the nature that I was born into, and, and God even understood this nature and yet he still came for me. Oh, such great love. But as I repented, as I recognized my need for him, and I accepted him, and I believed and I confessed that he's the son of God and that he rose from the dead. I'm born again now. I'm now part of the family of God. You too. Because he didn't just come for me. He's come for you. He's come for all. Don't remain in rebellion towards him. Because even now, he's so pleased he's revealing himself to you. You see, once, you've had no mercy. But mercy is being displayed. Once you receive it. I don't know how you're talking to people, you all. Dear friends, I warn you. 
as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires. Listen, that wage war against your very souls. You should care for your soul. Lord, I spent a long time, I repeat constantly about the worth, the worth of your soul because what Jesus teaches, the decisions you make, the thoughts you're processing, the heart attitudes, the words coming from your mouth. I mean, are you guarding and protecting your soul, what you've been entrusted with, the holdness? Do you understand the value of it? And you just keep trading it away for a bowl of beans. So he warns them. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you, even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. I don't know. I said, God, you make it so... It's like that devotion. You know, Yenzi said, you make it so easy. <laughs> we make it so hard. God makes it so easy. We make it so hard because we want to be in control. But the Christian... Is not in control. The Holy Spirit is. You've given up the rights to your life when you came to Christ. It's like you need to start living. It's no longer I who live, but Christ living in and through me. I'm closing with Matthew chapter 6. I started a few weeks ago. I want to get through it. So hopefully we can get back through walking through scriptures. Though we've been in scripture. <laughs> Matthew chapter 6 verse 5 through 8 that Jesus again is teaching. We're going to go through five, chapter 5, 6, and 7. <laughs> but we're still in chapter 6 of this incredible sermon that Jesus taught. <laughs> and today we're looking at Matthew 6 verse 5 through 18. Teaching about prayer and fasting. Jesus' words. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in synagogues where everyone can see them. They made a big show about it, you all. I tell you the truth. That is all the reward they will ever get. But you, but you, you disciples, you who belong to me, but you. <laughs> oh, Father. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father who sees everything will reward you. When you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Like, again, it's that new age, weird religion that we do out there. Just constantly, oh, blah, 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 blah. All that chanting and carrying on. She's like, no, that's not what it's about. 
Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask. So pray like this. And again, we can't take this prayer that we're about to read and turn it in to a mantra. A little good luck charm. <laughs> and we have to understand its purpose and how we're to pray. And when we pray, we should have a private prayer life and then collectively as a church when we come together or when we're with one another, we pray for one another. Prayer is a necessity because the Bible tells us that we are to pray without ceasing. That means we never stop. You say, well, I don't do that. Well, why not? Like throughout the day. Your comings and your goings. Your sittings and your standings. As you're interacting with people. As you're engaging in discernment. In the areas that you're going into. That you be prayerful. But he says pray like this. Our Father in heaven. May your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need. And forgive us our sins. As we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't lead us. I'm sorry. And don't let us yield to temptation. I love this. But rescue us from the evil. If you forgive those who sin against you, your Heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. And when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do. For they try to look miserable and disheveled. So people will admire them for their fasting. But I tell you the truth. That is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair, wash your face, then no one will notice that you are fasting except your father, who knows what you do in private, and your father who sees everything will reward you. He knows what you need, and he sees all. So Jesus is teaching us as he taught them, as the Holy Spirit is ministering to the church and this generation through Jesus' sermon that we can't make it about us. The focus is not us. How I pray when I fast. Yes, the church should be doing it individually and then collectively. But we are not to draw... See. Lord help me, I gotta end. We're not to we're not to make it about us. And here's another thing. Prayer and fasting are not our gods. Prayer and fasting 
my praying, my power doesn't come through my praying. My power does not come through my fasting. It only comes through Jesus. The purpose for prayer and fasting is all for Him. It's all for Him, for His glory, for His honor. I don't need to make it about me. I don't need to make it about us. I don't need to make it about that or this or the style or that or this or that and how many times and what are you doing and wow. As the Spirit leads. That's what it's about. The presence of God. Daily. Allowing. Christ to be our center. And allowing the Holy Spirit to continue to lead us. Equip us. Oh, how I pray that we would have a greater hunger thirst for righteousness you all I'm going to close this with this song and then I'll close us in prayer Yeah.